This week on The Meg Rock Show, I was able to sit down with Winnie Chan Wang. Winnie is a lover of science and spirituality. Her vision is for all medicine to join as one. She's a trauma-informed, licensed acupuncturist, teacher, shadow worker, Reiki, and shamanic Tao healer. She's also the professor of acupuncture at Alhambra Medical University. She is passionate about empowering people with chronic pain to step into their source power to heal themselves. You are going to love Winnie's story a little bit about her culture and how she has learned to step into her power and outside of the society and the culture and the programs of the world that her family's culture wanted her to live by and to be raised in. You guys are going to love this episode. Welcome to the Meg Rock Show with Manifesting Marge, enlightening you with high vibe spiritual guidance, interviews with high vibe people, and those who practice different healing modalities around the world. I help women manifest more love, more self love, more money, better health, and clarity on their life path. My purpose is to help you remember who the f- you are. Let's rock this out. Welcome, Winnie. I am so excited to have you on the Meg Rock Show. Thank you for having me, Meg. It's such a blessing to be here. You know, it's funny because I was attending this conference and learning about this new term called metaverse, you know, web 3.0. And we have gone from the AOL days, which is web 1.0 to, you know, social media and now onto the next phase. It's such a blessing to have an audience of podcaster, you know, it's such a blessing to, to produce podcasts for the listeners. It's such a blessing to have somebody listen to us. <laughs> yes, for sure. For sure. And it is such a great way to reach people because I was talking to someone the other day and it's like, when you, when you start learning about the spiritual world or you become curious, a lot of people don't know what to search for. Like they kind of know what they're thinking about, but they don't know what to put into Google and they're just kind of on this quest. And so that's one reason I'm so excited about my podcast is because I want to bring people like you to the listeners so they can learn more. So they will know what to search because it can kind of feel overwhelming. And as you know, I mean, it's a, it's a lifetime of learning and growth and awakening. So where I want to start is I want to start with your story because All of the trials and tribulations of our life always point us to where we're supposed to go. So let's start there. Yeah. So I am an uh, Asian immigrant. I'm originally from Hong Kong and I have four science degree. I'm incredibly nerdy. I went to MIT. I have computer science degree, uh, finance, marketing. And my last one is the master of science in oriental medicine. So I'm a licensed acupuncturist. And the reason why that happened was because in 2009, I had a spinal injury. And if your spine is out of alignment, then every joint hurts. So I have like lower back pain, neck pain, hip pain, ankle pain, knee pain. And I spent years in anxiety and depression feeling like, okay, this is it. You know, I can't go to the beach. I can't watch a movie. I I can't you know, go on a hike, I can't do like normal people things. And yeah, I spend years feeling that life sucks, and I'm a victim. And then I don't know how one day, I was spring cleaning my drawer, and I found an application for acupuncture school, it's almost like God arranged 
this thing. I was like, okay, let's do this. And halfway through my acupuncture school, I had a near-death car accident. Up until that point, I've been holding grudges and being really angry and resentful. So I was living in the past and I was also worried and living in fear about what's going to happen in the future. So I was literally watching three seconds until I make impact with the car. I was like, wow, I just wasted my whole life living in the past and the future. And of course I didn't die. And in that moment I had a spiritual awakening. I was like, okay, this way that I've been living, is not right. I got to do something. So before that day, I've never known anything about God, spiritual guides, channeling, nothing. Before that, I never meditated a day in my life. I was just a girl with four science degree. And, you know, that, that moment really opened me up to a different realm. And so since then, I have become a, a trauma specialist, you know, uh, because I've had also a lot of traumas and it's just where our wounds are are also where our service to humanity is. Right. So in healing my own trauma, I'm like, Hey, let me do that for my clients too. So I went from being what I call a GP in acupuncture. You know, most people think of acupuncture. They think about three things, either lower back pain, or they try to get pregnant, fertility, or cosmetics, you know, like Kim Kardashian. They want all the needles in the face so the wrinkles can go away, right? So most people think about acupuncture as those things, but actually acupuncture is really powerful for mental wellness. And so that's my specialty. Amazing. Okay, so I want to ask you this, having that, that science background and being very left brained, naturally, how did you embrace your spiritual awakening? I mean, how did you embrace meditating and all of the things that a lot of people call woo, that is more of a feeling and a knowing versus here's the proof. It's so funny. We tend to think that the world is really divided when actually we're also very connected. We, we tend to think that we have scientists and then we have woo-woo people, but actually we're all scientists and we're all woo-woo. <laughs> That's what I have discovered. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. You know, every time I have a conversation with somebody who's woo-woo, I help them discover that they are actually scientists. And when I have a conversation with scientists, like I just went to um, MIT 20th reunion and I discovered they're actually most of them really spiritual people. You know, it's like there's a healer in everyone, but there's also a scientist in everyone. And I love having conversations like we're having right now to help people discover. Yeah. I'm a scientist and yes, I'm also full woo woo. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I love that. Okay. So w- were you not raised in any kind of religious, religious, and I, obviously this is a spiritual podcast. It's not a religious pod- podcast, but were you not raised with any religious upbringing or any belief systems? So my father's side has more Taoist and Buddhist and my mother's side has more Christian mm-hmm. But those were at my level of grandparents. 
somehow my mom and dad were disconnected, but my grandparents were. And so nothing was really, I didn't really grow up with that. Yeah. What do you resonate with now? Is it just spirituality across the board? Because I know, I mean, there's beautiful parts of Christianity and I know there's beautiful parts of, you know, the Taoist religion. Okay. This is where my understanding of spirituality all come from science. I always say, if you want to know if something is real, try it right? It's kind of like, let's go back to seventh grade. If you want to know something works, then go in the science lab and try it. So in my early days as an acupuncturist, when I first got initiated into Reiki, you know, my spiritual teacher who initiated me said, oh, Kuan Yin is very present, you know, at my Reiki initiation. So in the beginning, without really knowing much about Kuan Yin, I was like, well, my teacher says Kuan Yin is my guide, so I will call Kuan Yin. And, and I've experienced a lot of miracles. And then about a year later, one day, Jesus came into my vision when I was meditating. And he said, I want you to channel me. And part of me was really scared because I'm like, oh, my God, like, I don't really want to tell anybody about this experience what are they going to think about me as a licensed acupuncturist, right? You know, if I tell people that I've had this experience, but what, what happened was, you know, one day there was, I had a patient, she's Catholic, you know, some people walk around and they're incredibly religious, right? You know, she's walking around with a Bible and she had a stroke. So hemiplegia, in half of the body. And, you know, she was walking with a cane, you know, half of her body with her leg is just disconnected to the body. And I said, you know, would you be open to me channeling Jesus to heal your leg? And she said, yes. And, you know, in six to nine months, she went back to the gym, you know, so it was just like, I'm like, okay, you know, I don't think that human realm acupuncture can do this, but Hey, you know what? That's what I think. It's like, if you want to know if Jesus is real, call him. And if he answers your prayer, then he's real, right? <laughs> so I have a lot, of, cool. a lot of empirical evidence that it works. And I'll tell you this one funny story, how I finally sealed the deal with knowing Jesus. So one day I was washing dishes in the kitchen. It was like around breakfast time. And all of a sudden I started hearing a song about Jesus. Now, mind you, I look around the room and I was like, no radio is playing, but I hear the song loud and clear. I'm like, what the heck is going on? I don't know what's going on, but I hear a song about Jesus. I don't know where it's coming from. And then later that night I had to pee. And I didn't want to turn on the light because I was like, well, if I turn on the light, I'll wake up. So let me just pee without turning on the light. And then I think I saw something, I experienced something. I was afraid that it was going to be a ghost or something scary, right? And I don't know what overcame me, but I just decided to say, okay, in the name of Jesus Christ, I call for complete and protection right now. And then this light came into the room and it was literally brightest day. And that was the last time where I was unsure 
if Jesus is real, right? I'm like, okay, you know what? In my moment of darkness, I called, he showed, and, you know, that is my truth. And so, so my, my thing about being a woo-woo is if you want to know if it's real, be a scientist, you know, set up an experiment, call, call on it and, and see what happens. You know, um, it's really funny. I have a similar story with uh, Buddha. Uh, so one time I was in Bhutan and I, I was as a tourist, I had to climb this mountain and it's very steep, very strenuous. It's three hours straight up and three hours straight down. And of course, I mentioned that I have all this physical handicap. So like literally, I can't hike for 45 minutes and I really want to visit the temple. So I pray and pray. I said, okay, um, whatever magical power out there, please, please help me hike, complete this hike. And I look on my iPhone, the weather report, right? It says scattered thunderstorm. And I remember when I got to the top of the mountain, it started raining and I was like, oh, and then cuss word. Yeah. How am I going to make it down the mountain? It's hard enough, but if it's going to be rain and slippery, I'm like, oh man, I am screwed. And so I just said, okay, you know what? If you help me down this mountain and, you know, without rain, then I'll believe you. Like I just kind of, I don't know why I threw all that out there. So I went into the temple, I prayed, I connected, and I actually received an empowerment in Kuan Yin and Medicine Buddha. And then when I came out of the temple, it was blue skies and white clouds. I was like, what the heck is going on? And I literally went down the mountain and I hiked for six hours with no pain. And I was like, oh my God, like this is real. Yes, I believe you now, you know. So I've been a very silly girl, but I've literally proven to myself that calling whomever that you want, it works, you know? So if if you want to know if it's real, be a scientist. I love that. That is so amazing. So it makes me think of, you know, when people have, there's, there's people that have near death experiences and they see Buddha and there's people that have near death experiences and they see Jesus And that to me is just basically what you're saying is that there are all these beautiful, beautiful beings that have come to this planet to help us evolve, to be a part of our growth and our awakening and to connect us to the all that is right. And whatever our belief is in is what will show up for us, whether it's Buddha, whether it's Ganesh, whether it is Jesus. And it's so interesting to me that um, spiritual people that are open to, you know, the one of all that is and are not compartmentalizing religion have experiences as a Buddhist with Jesus and as a Christian with Ganesh. Or it's, it's just, it's amazing how when you open your mind to all of the possibilities and all of the spiritual guidance and support, you never know who's going to show up to help you. And that's just a prime example of if we can live that way in the spirit and in the spiritual world and embrace all the help we can get, why can't we embrace each other on this planet 
you know, being from Hong Kong and being from the United States and just being one with each other, because we can be one with each other in spirit. Why not here? Why not on this planet? Which we're getting there. I don't know how long it's going to take, but we're getting there for sure. Yeah. I feel like it's part of a process, right? You know, if you picture the Tao symbol, the white fish and the black fish, in, in nature, we have cycles, right? So day is followed by night and night is followed by day. You know, we have new moon followed by full moon and we have spring, summer, fall and winter. We are constantly having death and rebirth and, you know, separation and oneness is also that way. I feel that we can look at Russia and Ukraine or mass shooting and get really triggered and be like, why is there so much division in the world? But we can also look at it as, wow, we have podcasts, you know, we have YouTube. We're literally more connected also than ever. You know, if I want to know how to make tiramisu, well, you know what? I don't have an Italian grandmother, but I could go onto YouTube and find a tiramisu recipe with live demonstration, not just like a text recipe, but like a video demonstration. Well, this is how you beat the eggs and stuff like that. So it's easy to watch the news, you know, because our brain has negative bias, right? Our brain is has negative bias because it helps us survive. So we tend to experience things like mass shooting or, you know, wars as, wow, the world sucks. We're so divided. But if we live with the totality of what is, we'll realize actually we're also more connected than ever. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I totally agree. Okay. So I want you to touch on, um, on shadow work, explain what shadow work is. Yeah, so I'll tell you a little funny story. So when I first became a Reiki practitioner, I was like, oh, love and light, love and light. And I was going to yoga, meditating, chanting mantras. And I was doing some, you know, impossible healing miracles on my clients. But then I had a divorce. And that totally crushed my ego because I, I was like, Winnie, you're an imposter, you're a fraud. How can you be praying and bringing love, peace and harmony to your clients when you have a divorce. You know, I experienced every shade of darkness and I had countless dark nights of the soul, which I guess is good because to get to the next level of spirituality, you need that to question everything that you thought was true is maybe not true. Right. So after countless dark nights of the soul, I, met so much of my darkness and I just did shadow work after shadow work after shadow work. And that led me to write my book, Honoring Darkness, Embrace Shadow Work to Nourish and Grow Your Power. You know, I'll tell you something really funny because in the beginning, before I did shadow work, I would be the most judgmental person. You know, those people that walk around with the shirt that says good vibes only. So I was one of those. I'm like, okay, if you don't meditate and if you're always angry and have fears, then, you know, 
stay away from me. You know, I set boundaries with all the people that I think are angry or scared because I'm like, you stay over there. I'm here love and lighting. So I don't want anything to do with you. And then doing the shadow work really make me realize I am a human being and I experience every shade of darkness, just like everybody else. And I'm literally have no more love and light and no more darkness than anybody else. I'm literally have the same as everyone. And so it's the most hum- humbling experience to do shadow work. And it also leads to so much compassion. And finally, I don't judge, compete, compare, get jealous of other people. You know, I used to go on Facebook and I look at other people's vacation photos, food photos, how many friends they have. And I get jealous and envious and be like, oh, well, I want that too. And now I understand, hey, you know what? We're just all different. We're all different. You know, we all have good things and we all have pain, unspeakable pain. And if you take the time to have a conversation with another person and really get to know their pain points, I promise you, you would not be jealous of them anymore. For sure. For sure. No, I think that's a huge part of, um, I don't think I know that is a huge part of, of really what we came here to do and to the point that we want to reach as, as humans is to, is to understand that yes, there's love and light. And I, I'm like you, I strive to be, I strive to be love and light. I want to surround myself with people that are high vibes, but I also have grace and empathy for people that are not where I am because they're not supposed to be where I am yet. They are all on their own soul journey and in their own time, will they figure that out? And for some people it's not in this lifetime. So that's why it's, it it is literally a waste of energy to argue, to condemn, to judge, because if those people are not at a spiritual level to hear you, they are not capable of hearing or seeing or, or understanding things at the level in which I do. And guess what? I still send them love and light and I offer them grace and compassion and empathy. Yeah. Thank you for that. I really appreciate that. It took me too long to figure that out. <laughs> well, what took you long? How old are you? How old are you? I am 42. Okay. I'm 41. And I okay. will say I have probably really, really embraced this probably in the last three years. I've been on this journey for about 15 years. Um, but in the past five years, I mean, I, I get it. I get it now. I get it. And when you can go through life, not being offended by other people. Oh my gosh. Talk about the freedom. Yes. So much freedom. I mean, the four agreements, one of them is take nothing personally. Do you realize how much pain I went through in my life, taking so many things personally and being offended? I'm like, if we could be a world of people that don't get offended and we all just learn to love each other and just shake the shit because we're not all on the same soul journey and soul level of expansion and awareness. We can all agree to disagree and love each other and accept where we are. So I went through this phase of leaving people alone. 
Yeah. Right. Okay. If you're angry, okay. I'm not going to try to fix you. If you're scared, I'm not going to try to, you know, help you or whatever, because you are where you are. And then actually it, in the last year, then I had another shift, which is I may not successfully help you, but if I let go of my attachment to the outcome, I still want to help you. And this is the idea that we all drink from the same river. Mm-hmm. So I used to think that, okay, I'm going to chant my mantras. I'm going to be love and light. So it's almost like if I clean the river, right, I'm cleaning it for myself, my family, and my community. And yes, my community benefits from me cleaning the water. Mm-hmm. But as long as there's one person who is polluting the water, guess what? I also drink from the polluted water. So I used to just play a single player game. You know what? I'm in my lane and I'm cleaning the water. You know what? If you're just going to keep polluting the water, maybe in this lifetime, you'll still be polluting in this water. And I just, I, I can't care about you because it's too much work to try to convert you. But then I realized, oh, wait, but I'm still drinking polluted water. And so in the last year, I have realized I can't, play a single player game and just focus on, am I cleaning the river? I, I need to reach out to the people who are polluting the water and help them, you know, come with compassion and help them understand why are they polluting the water, right? Why are they in so much pain? And it is actually in my highest and best interest of me, my family and the whole world to help the people who are polluting to get out of their pain and so that they can come and everybody can clean the water. And let me tell you this process of going to convert people who are polluting the water, it's not easy. (laughs) But if nobody does it, then we'll still be divided. Half the world is cleaning and half the world is polluting. So It's about believing in a noble cause, believing in something that's far greater than me. Yeah, you know what? I might feel rejected by that person. I might feel heartbreak. I might feel frustrated. But just because I feel heartbreak, rejected, and frustrated does not mean I give up on these people. And so that's where I'm at. That is so true. And it also, this makes me think of, you know, in in our lives, when, when we want to help someone, you can only help someone to the degree in which they want to be helped. And I see this with, with coaching clients. I mean, I can only help them so far and then they have to be willing to do the work. Right. And so, and there's some of them that life changing. And then there's some of them that are like, eh, So as someone who's like you, that is out there trying to help the people that are polluting the water, polluting themselves and their family, their friends, the world, the whole nine yards, I can only do so much. And that is why I'm here. And at the end of the day, if I've done my part to help them in which I feel is the best way, 
then and in my knowing that 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 literally is all I can do. But just going back to the imposter syndrome, right? You thinking, oh my gosh, well, you know, this person hasn't had these dramatic transformations. What have I done wrong? What is there? What is there for me to know? What is there for me to see? Well, what is there for me to know? What is there for me to see is I can only help someone to the degree in which they're willing to help themselves. Because as you know, people want just to flip the breaker box. They want this like something to happen that's going to change their life forever. And all of a sudden they're going to be a different person and they're not going to have to work through all of that hard stuff, but that's not the way life works. And it's just like what you said about helping these people can be difficult. It can be difficult. And the reason is because it is a journey. Healing is literally an onion. It is peeling back layer after layer after layer. And some people just want that quick fix and they, they want, they want to, um, they want to take the easy route and there's no such thing as the easy route. So doing what you're doing, the work you're doing in the world, the work that I'm doing in the world, if we're setting out to help people and in our hearts, we know we are doing the work that we need to do. What those other souls decide to do with it is solely on them. So it's so interesting. I completely agree with you, Meg, that we can only help people to the extent that they let us help. Mm-hmm. You know, we can help them to the extent that they are willing to look at the things aren't working and do the shift. That's one of the really powerful reasons why podcasts is so great and why our audience are so blessed to listen to these podcasts and also why I wrote the book and have a group course. And the reason is because we do take things personally. You know, when we work one-on-one in private sessions with a coach, if the coach says, oh, well, look at this. And you're like, oh, wait, no, I don't want to look at that. But when we listen to a podcast or when we read a book, the beauty is that we don't take it personally because whatever story that we're sharing in the podcast or in the book, it's a mirror of you, but it's not you, right? That's like, oh, that's Winnie's darkness, but I can relate to her experience. So it's, it's a more digestible way of facing the truth as opposed to bam, right in your face. And then the other beauty, beautiful thing about being in a group program is that when we're sharing, you know, let's say there is like five people sharing, you get to experience the healing indirectly by listening to the story of another person also. And so it's, it's kind of like if you were playing tennis instead of playing single, you're playing double. So sometimes you can rest a little bit. And there is magic when we heal in a group. There is magic there. And the energy that's created on a group of people all working towards the same goal is magic. Complete magic. Okay. So tell me about your book. Honoring darkness. Yes. So there's a lot of shadow workers out there. And because I have four science degree and am so nerdy and academic, I thought, can I write a Bible on shadow work? where I can create a systematic fashion where you just 
you know, the top 10 shadows, you do the exercises in every chapter and, you know, bam, it's almost like, and I have a course, which is 11 weeks long because I just want to be like, okay, every week we're going to do one chapter, you know, and if you just follow this roadmap, you're going to end up, you know, one layer on the other side. And so, yeah, that's basically the 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 structure of the book so it's a bible in the sense that i wanted to write a manual and a textbook but it's also like women who won with the wolves because it talks about my rape you know my childhood trauma and the divorce the parental alienation all the rejection and pain in my life and how i crossed over to the other side so it's kind of like a Netflix K drama <laughs> in the sense that it's full of drama, but you're learning. There's like moral of the story at the end of every chapter. You're like, Oh, okay. So through my story, which is drama, there is worksheets and exercises. So it's, it's a textbook. Yes. And it's also um, entertainment. Beautiful. I love that. So I want to ask you a question and, I've kind of known this, um, just, I've just learned throughout my life. And then I really started, I follow a girl on TikTok and, um, she's Asian. I don't know where she is and, you know, where she's from and, you know, around Asia, but she's Asian. And she talks about how, how strict and the honor of her family and how disappointing them is so huge. And she is in the United States um, her TikTok's amazing. She's in the United States, very successful, graduated from college, and it is her duty and her honor to help support her sibling. So her sibling is going to school in the United States, and she's responsible for financially taking care of her sibling, sibling, which is what her parents, I guess, maybe culturally, that's what you're supposed to do. And her sister's going to clubs, spending all this money, and she's like, that's not what I'm here to help you with. I'm here to help you with school and education. And how it's causing a huge rift with her parents because all this financial responsibility is falling on her. So I want to ask you about that. When you got divorced, did you lose complete support from your family? Was it like the ultimate dishonor? So I was on to tell this really funny story. So first of all, I told my mom that I'm getting a divorce over a text message because <laughs> I, I don't have the courage to have this conversation and after that for 10 days she called me and I really literally could not pick up the phone I just keep skipping answer on the phone because I couldn't face her I couldn't face her I couldn't talk to her I am the first person in my family to get a divorce. Nobody in my brother, cousin, nobody in my mom's generation, nobody in my grandparents' generation. So I was like, oh my God, I'm the first person in my lineage to get a divorce. To get it, to yeah. truly get it. <laughs> to, to get a divorce. And yeah. there is so much shame that I didn't know even how to talk to my parents. And I don't want my parents to be like, well, tell me what happened. Okay, so what did you say? What did he say? You know, try to play family judge. Well, what did you do to piss him off? What did he do to piss you off? You know, I really dreaded 
the confrontation. And like you said, I really hate disappointing her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's just the, the lineage. And I, I'm well, trying yeah. to find compassion for that because now I'm dating. And this literally happened last night. My mom's like, how much money does your boyfriend make? Does he have any debt? Does he own any houses? How many people is he supporting? <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, mom. Culture. Yeah, culture. Culture. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how many people online um, listening to this podcast have parents who are just so nosy, controlling, and be like, okay, well, you know, if you have to rethink this guy, if he has a lot of debt or he doesn't make this money and, you know, yeah, it's just so funny. It, it really is so funny. And I know like, you know, th- I mean, really and truly, and it's not with like parents or with siblings, it can even be with friends. Like all you really want at the end of the day is to be seen, heard, loved, and supported. You really don't want their opinions. You really don't. I mean, if what you feel in your soul is what you feel is the right thing for you, you don't want to go, well, this happened and this is what I did and this is what they did. I mean, that just creates so much chaotic energy. You want to be trusted in your knowing and in your decision making and loved and supported for the decision that you made. And I mean, so many people deal with that in lots of aspects of their lives. And I mean, kudos to you for, for being the one to teach. I mean, think about it. Like your mom's full of so much wisdom and she's taught you so much in your life, but look at what you're teaching her on a soul level. She may not really understand it in this lifetime, but oh my God, you, you were the one, but it's crazy because even in the United States, so many people have lived miserably because it's what you're supposed to do. Right. So many people, well, that's changing in the United States. I mean, obviously divorce rates through, through the roof. And I, yeah, some people do give up too quickly, but there are a lot of people who have really tried and been like, okay, I'm totally not aligned with this. I am not created to live a life that I am not aligned with. And so hopefully the Asian culture is going to slowly start to get it too, because I know that's really hard on you. And I have heard how, um, how intense your family lineage is and how you better walk a straight line or else. Yeah. So there is so much suppression that is in the lineage. And, you know, when I talk about my experience with the rape, it's that I was raised to be the submissive Asian girl, you know, you just says yes to everything, the authority or whatever that, you know, is told to telling you to do. And so I was so disconnected from my anger. And, you know, there's gift in all the shadows, right? If my anger was healthy, I would be able to fight or take better actions after the rape happened. But I was so disconnected from the anger. And in my lineage, we talk about, okay, well, we only want to look good. So we don't want to tell anybody about it. If there's any shame in the family, we're just going to sweep it under the rug. So I literally gave myself 24 hours to be sad about the rape. And then I pretended nothing happened after 24 hours. You know, I was just like, 
was this before? Where was this? Where was this in the chronological order of your body and your pain? Yeah. So this was, um, this was before I went to acupuncture school. Okay. So it's no wonder that your body was in so much pain. You were, you were holding a lot of toxic emotion that had not been healed. Yeah. There was a lot of suppression and how my mother suppressed me and denied my anger. You know, basically I had to, I was raised to be people pleasing. I was bred. I was spanked if I was not people pleasing. I was, if I didn't obey and did exactly what I did, I was just, you know, my butt would turn red. (laughs) So I, I had so much suppression growing up and how you were raised between zero and seven is how you talk to yourself once you become an adult. So I also really suppress myself all the time, you know, and it looks like I'm really tired. Okay, but, you know, the project's due tomorrow. So I would suppress my natural desire to go to sleep and get it done, right? Um, So there is a lot of suppression and the medicine to suppression is compassion. You know, compassion is... It's a very divine feminine principle where, okay, I'm just embracing and receiving you. You know, if, if a, a baby is crying, you just hold the baby in your arms. You know, there's nothing to do, nothing to fix. Let's just breathe and be with the baby. And I think that, you know, it, it's, it is just so funny the way I was raised, you know, and back then the disposable diapers was very expensive. So I didn't grow up with disposable diapers. And so you can imagine that people try to potty train their, their children at three or six months old. Like basically they, you're on a very strict feeding and peeing schedule. Wow. Yeah. It's so interesting. That is fascinating. So I am sure around all these shadows, you have forgiven your mom and your childhood and your dad, maybe the way you were raised, you you offer them love, empathy, and compassion because you know, they're a product of their culture. And this is, this is deep and it is strict and it is ingrained and it is etched in the being of your, your, you know, your past lineage. And so I know you've done so much forgiveness work around this while also loving your parents and creating healthy boundaries as an adult. Yeah. So it's really funny because in the beginning I thought, okay, I'm going to set boundaries with my mom. And, but that's the analogy of I'm cleaning the river and I'm letting her pollute the, the river and not helping her. What I have coach myself to do is to see how much she cares about me. That is, if we look at communication, 30% of communication is the words, but actually, you know, more of the communication is a vibration. 
So maybe she wants to know, okay, how much money does your boyfriend make? Does he have any debt? You know, all of these questions, it actually comes from love, right? She asks those questions because she wants to know if this guy is going to provide a happily ever after for me. Now, I don't need a guy to provide a happily ever after for me. I, I am able to take care of myself, but she needed a guy to have financial security, right? So from her lens, the questions that she asks is the way that she is pouring love into me. You know, she's a victim and she doesn't make her own money. The way that she can survive is to find a husband who has money. So if I am able to look past the questions she's asking me, if I'm able to look past the way she's projecting herself onto me, if I go all the way and connect to her heart, then I realize that's her way of loving me. So if I can just receive the totality of her love, you know, then I can come, I don't even need to forgive her. I can just be receiving her love and be nourished actually by her. That is so beautiful. Oh my gosh. You just said what I wanted to say in such a more beautiful way than I could ever say it. That was amazing. Oh my gosh. I am so happy for you. I'm so happy for you. And I mean, and you know, for the people that are listening, you're thinking to yourself, oh my God, Winnie's got it all figured out. You know, Meg has it all figured out. We don't have it all figured out. We are figuring this out along with you. We are just sharing our traumas and the things that we have been through because that's how we heal. I mean, I truly believe that what we're willing to reveal, we heal. And not only within ourselves, but within others, like you just said, because it's it's non-invasive and it is a mirror and people can go, oh my gosh, I see so much of myself in that situation. I can totally look at how Winnie handled that and think of how I'm going to deal with my dad or someone in my life. And you are so right. 30% of communication is words. And the rest of it is that vibrational energy and the intention behind what the person is communicating. And you're right. I mean, if we look at their heart and, and, and think, okay, well, where are they coming from with this? And we can go, oh my gosh, it's, look at their heart, read their heart. You're going to know their intentions. And it is so much more than words. You were so true. You were, you were so right. Cause 30% of what they say could come off in a way that you could quote, get offended. But if you look at all of the other energy and the intention behind it, oh my God, you'll have your answer. Yeah. So one of the things that I teach in my uh, masterclass and also in my course is this divine feminine principle. So if we look at mother earth and trees, they are able to take carbon dioxide, which is a waste product and give back life, which is oxygen. So all of us actually, men and women can tap into our divine feminine where we can take in the fear and insecurity, such as my mom, into my body and I can give back love. So we can run, I call the recycling program. So I, I, instead of blocking her, 
I can actually turn the other cheek, you know, that's the, that's the, you know, we turn the other cheek because we understand that she's going to be the way she is because she hasn't done the work to heal herself. Mm-hmm. And if I turn the other cheek, well, I don't have to, but I get to, right? If I turn the other cheek, that is how I have a chance to help her stop polluting the water mm-hmm. is to, it's hard, but it's to say, I love you. No matter what you do, I still love you. That's what it really means to turn the other cheek. That's true, unconditional love. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And love heals it all, right? Love's the great, yeah. greatest of all things. So hopefully it's like I turn my cheek enough times that she'll start joining me cleaning the river. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that. I love that. You've said so many amazing Winnie, Winnie Chang Wang quotes today. Okay. So how can, how can people connect with you? And, um, and again, what do you offer? So my website and also social media, etc., is mindfulhealingheart.com. And from my website, you can find links to my social media, my book, my course, and I have regular free masterclass. So if you want to know more about shadow work and how you can learn to love yourself and others unconditionally, you definitely want to check that out. For sure. Well, this was amazing. We will have to do this again soon. Thank you so much, Winnie, for coming on the show. Thank you, Meg. Really love you and all the audience so much. Thank you. If you thought today rocked, subscribe to the Meg Rock Show podcast, leave a review and let me know what your takeaway was. All of my social is linked in the show notes. Screenshot this episode and tag me on Instagram at the Meg Rock. For more info on me and to take my quiz to find out what energy blocks you have in your life and in your home, and maybe even coaching, go to manifestingmarge.com. Repeat after me. I am a powerful, loving, radiant, abundant, badass warrior goddess. I am here to rock out this lifetime. It doesn't serve me or the world to play small. I am worthy of all that I desire. See you in the next episode. The Meg Rock Show podcast and all content created by Manifesting Marge LLC is created for informational purposes only. Always seek the advice of a physician or qualified health provider with any questions you may have for a medical condition or concern. Meg Schwarzrock is not a doctor or a therapist.